0: Hello, my name is Britton Rhinestraw. Since 2011, composer Buckethead has released 349 albums in his Pike series. And I'm listening to them, three at a time. This is Getting Head, a Bucketcast. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and the bear who played Gentle Ben, Uncle Ben, Uncle Tom, Uncle Cracker, and Hoppin' John. Those with jaundice, those with clear piss, those with bisquick, and those who won't risk it. People with cool fits, people with bong hits. People with, now that's what I call CDs, with song hits. Get your licks in, because we're about to get mixin' with all the fixins and all that trash, because it's episode 106 of getting Head, a bucket cast. Welcome! How's everybody doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It is a, uh, well, it looks like it's sunny again. It's been raining here in Seattle for the past few days, uh, pretty pretty torrentially, actually. Which is um, interesting, because uh, for the first half of October this year, we got, um, I don't know, summer. It was like in the 60s and 70s for the first two weeks. It was kind of nuts. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's kind of back to normal here, back to back to rain, which is great, because I've been um my job as a groundskeeper here. Lately, I've been working on uh, uh, grass patch. So, you know, how um, you know lawns will get, like, little brown patches in them and stuff. And there's a lot of reasons for it. And I'm uh, kind of figuring out and, like, I don't know. I'm 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 learning lawns for the first time. I guess you know. I always knew like basic lawn care. You know, you always um, you fertilize it in the the spring, um, and then you know, I was just kind of mow it all year and make sure it gets enough water and shit like that. But like, I mean, there's so much more that goes into it, especially when you get into things like drainage and irrigation and like uh, hills. Hills are a crazy thing. And hills, hills combined with sunlight. More than anything, makes for patchy grass, and it's a, uh, it's a real weird thing because you know, you know, water runs down hills, and if the uh, the soil at the top of the hill is not like super super absorbent, pretty much all that stuff there's going to be weird patches throughout your entire hill, right? So, right now I'm figuring out not only irrigation, but we got our uh, our automatic sprinkler guy out, and he he kind of reinstalled a few things and fixed stuff up, but uh, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting learning about lawns. Wow, you're probably fucking tired of hearing me talk about lawns already. All right, let's move on to something else. Um, So, since our last episode, we got some Buckethead news here. Uh, since our last episode, Buckethead has released five pikes, all of them live. And he kind of keeps doing this. Like, every single week uh, for the past, I don't know, maybe month or two, he's released, like, you know, three to five pikes. And at this point, I think he's up to over, like, th- maybe 35 live pikes or something like that. And that's, um... I mean, I'll I'll say it here, like so. This is actually going to be the final episode of the podcast with that I that I know of. Um, with all Studio Pikes, so starting next week, we have one Studio Pike, and then literally the rest of them after that are all live. I still don't know what I'm doing with that. I think I might just go ahead and try to turn this more into. You know the roots of what it is, which is a comedy podcast. Because um, I mean, I don't, I don't really have any desire, and as you as a listener, I really doubt you have any desire to listen to me and or a guest talk about an hour and a half of live music every week for the next like three months, especially when, like, you know, there's probably only like two dozen songs. Uh, on there, just, like, different live recordings of them. I mean, I was just looking at all the new ones, and, like, almost every single one of them contains one of the following. They got uh, uh, Soothsayer, obviously, Nottingham Lace, uh, Toy Box, Jordan, um, uh, For New Cosmic. Like, there's there's a very small list of songs, and it's, like, it's alright that, like, on it looks like on almost every one of the live ones he's putting out now, he's trying to put at least one new song, but it's, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think many Buckethead fans really want to listen to like 15 different versions of Nottingham Lace live and we just get two new ones every week. That's not, I mean, I love Buckethead's music, but that's, I mean, that's asking a little much of the fans, isn't it? That's, um, especially if he's expecting them to buy them, like this is fine for something you're releasing just, you know, so it's archived or whatever, but, uh, you know, I don't know if that was ever, like, the point of the the Pikes, and um, I don't know. I don't think this is, like, artistically bereft exactly or anything, because, you know, this is stuff he's done live, and it's still pretty impressive that he's done it live. It's just, like, I don't know. Do do we need that? So, the what he's uh, released in the past five weeks, let me do these titles here. So, he's done Live Submerged. Live Buckethead Land is pleased to announce the hiring of Jelly Jones for future ride narrations. Live Chaimic Choir, live from Transylvania at the Baron von Imbalmer Castle, and then live at the Rainbow Waterfalls Pavilion, which is like—I mean, those are all fun titles. It's just <sighs> live albums, you know, live instrumental albums. That's a thing. Is that a thing? I don't know if that's even a thing. I mean, that's a—that's a thing he's doing. I think that's a thing you can do for jazz, but like. I don't know, when you're just playing rock and roll to an iPod, it's like,
1: eh,
0: nah, no thanks, dog. No thanks. So, you know, we might just, um, and you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it right here, right now. This is the point, um, I'm going to go ahead and retire basically all of the sections we have in this show. I'm going to retire goth news after this week, I'm going to retire bucket facts after this week. Um, I don't know what I'm doing with the fucking, you know, album reviews. I guess we could still go through, I don't know, I don't know, we'll probably semi-retire that one. And you know what, bucket jokes, we're gonna retire those. We're retiring this entire show this week. Next week, this might just be an entire new show, if it still is a show. I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing anymore. But, uh, you know what, tune in next week, see what the fuck I've done. I don't even know at this point. So, uh, what else has been going on with me this week? Been um, uh, really active for some reason. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of people are hitting me up on um, Bumble and uh, Tinder, Tinder uh, wanting to have sex. Most specifically, lots of people, not not a lot of people looking for relationships and stuff. So, I've been a bunch of sex with people in the past. Uh, I guess since last Thursday when I recorded the last episode of, you know, I've been like three. New partners, but um,
2: you know they're all uh, uh, fun, very
0: fun. Um, fun to try out new folks, you know. Especially when you're both there, like, hey, why don't you just like use each other's bodies and shit? And that's pretty cool, you know. It's, it's a it's a mutualistic relationship, no no para- parasitic relationship at all. There, it's very mutualistic, you know. If and especially if you both come, especially if I can make them come like a dozen times and I just come once. I'm a fucking hero in that situation, you know? I'm a fucking uh, the cumbringer. It's always fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Not sure anyone will keep seeing. They were all fun, but, you know, good good for a fuck. Uh,
2: well, I guess we'll see.
0: We'll see who hits me back up. They usually hit me back up. I got that good D... But uh, yeah, so other new subs went to Jimmy John's, tried them, and Jersey Mike's. I'm just kidding. I'm just making sub jokes at this point. Um, although um, I mean I'm not Quiznos doing Quiznos here, but I do be Quiznos subs on what those holes do, right? Quizn Quiznos Quiz quizzing quizzing those quizzing those subs.
1: Quizn okay. All right. Well,
2: uh, you know, with that. Ah, uh, maybe we should talk about some goth news. Let's get into some goth news, folks. Here we go. Here's the last goth news ever. Goth news. Goth news.
0: Hey, it is goth news. Following up on a news item I reported uh, this time last year, the iconic Whidbey Goth Festival in the UK is happening next week. It's second year back since the pandemic started in 1994 in the Yorkshire Seasides, which it's back to this year. The festival took a two-year break uh, a couple years ago due to COVID, but started up again last year, much to the joy of British goths everywhere. Some may ask, why would be for perhaps the world's most iconic goth festival? Well, it turns out that uh, in Bram Stoker's Dracula, it is where Count Dracula lands when he gets to England. In the novel, he runs up Whidbey's famous 199 Steps after transforming into a black dog, which is something festival-goers can be seen doing all weekend. The festival will be headlined this year by iconic goth metal rockers, Fields of the Nephilim and The Loveless. A former guest of the show, uh, Wang, he actually used to be, he might still be in a uh, Fields of the um, Nephilim cover band, which is pretty awesome. Uh, but also uh, headlining is The Loveless, a garage rock band fronted by soft-cell singer Mark Almond. Also appearing are Ghost Dance, Evil Blizzard, Boot Blacks, Into a Circle, Balam and the Angel, and All My Thorns. All throughout the weekend and Friday uh, night tickets have all been sold out, uh, but the daytime part of the festival is open to everybody, and there are a few tickets remaining for Saturday night. So. If you're British and goth and listening, I'd recommend going. I doubt there's anything better going on in the UK this week anyway, uh, except for complete political turmoil. Moving on in goth news, we have an unfortunate goth obituary this week. This week, the world lost Kay Taylor Parker, also known as Kay Parker, the British pornographic film actress who later worked as a counselor and mentor. Parker was reportedly introduced to the adult film industry in the late 1970s by actor John Leslie, who suggested she take part in one of his upcoming films. She made her first appearance in V, The Hot One, in a non-sexual role. Soon afterwards, porn director Anthony Spinelli talked her into doing her first sex scene in Sex World from 1977. Despite entering the adult film industry at a later age than most, she became a leading star in the field and was often paired with younger co-stars. Typically, she was cast in mature woman roles, such as mothers, stepmothers, rich aunts, and wealthy divorcees. She is best known for her role in Dracula Sucks, which may be the most goth porn ever produced, and the 1980 film Taboo and its successful sequels, which is largely credited as one of the first major pornography films to have a primary focus on incest content. So if you jerk off to stepmom porn or whatever, you can thank Kay Parker. She retired from porn in the mid-1980s and for a time worked for uh, Caballero Home Video as their public relations representative. She also appeared in small parts in several mainstream movies and television series, such as The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. So rest in peace, Mrs. Parker, Sleep forever, dream on, and most importantly, thank you for fucking Dracula. And finally in goth news this week, doing some research into Alaska's biggest stupid cunt, Sarah Palin, I came across some information about goth and pizza patriarch Papa John Schnatter. According to my research and the public filings, on August 8th of this year, Schneider gave eleven thousand six hundred dollars to a fund rating, uh, fundraising political action committee known as WinRed, specifically earmarked for Sarah Palin's uh, um, congressional campaign in Alaska. This is notable since it is Sarah Palin's largest monetary donation by a non-PAC by a factor of two, except for one. Oddly, there is another donation of exactly eleven thousand six hundred dollars. Made by Mike Kalin, also registered in Florida, on the exact same day in the exact same amount. Now, digging further into it, on August 8th of this year, Trump did a telefundraiser for Palin, stumping for her on the exact same day the FBI went to raid Mar a Lago and look for missing documents. It's interesting to note that the next closest individual contribution after this was exactly half of the amount at $5,800 contributed by Elizabeth Uline, heiress to the Uline commercial products fortune. Uh, If you're a buyer for anywhere that gets commercial products, try to divest from Uline. They're terrible pieces of shit. Palin handily lost the primary earlier this year to a Democratic opponent in a special election to fill Don Young's seat after his very fortunate death. Fuck you, Don Young. Rest in piss. Funnily enough, both Republican candidates lost due to ranked choice voting, which state Republicans instituted in order to try to prevent losses. It's unsure exactly what will happen two weeks from now when Alaskans go to the polls, but one thing is absolutely certain. John Schnatter stepped down as CEO of Papa John's in 2018 after he blamed declining sales on football players protesting the treatment of black people in America, causing their stock to fall 30%. He then used the N-word during a conference call.
2: Goth news. Oh
0: boy, that's Goth news. Hey, what's, uh, what's been going on this week? You know what, you know, it just came out or just kind of was released for pirating and stuff. It's been out for a while. Um, Clerks 3. Kevin Smith's Clerks 3. Now, you know, if you've listened um, to this show at any length, you'll, you'll know that I, I don't know, I don't know how to qualify it at all. Um, I um, I ironically ironically like Kevin Smith, maybe? I don't even know. I don't know what to qualify it as, but, um, like, I find some of the things Kevin Smith does to be funny, I find the characters of Jane Silent Bob to be i don't know nostalgically funny and like ironically funny um, you know jane silent bob strike back is a bad dumb movie but every now and again I'll watch it because it is so bad and it is so dumb and uh, it's like reprehensible that anyone made a film that was anything like that like the film makes me feel bad watching it especially shit like the the, the clit commander scene and stuff I'm just like ooh I don't like that at all However, Clerks Three just came out. Um, you know, um, it is the first Clerks film in I don't know fifteen years now, I guess, um, and the third Clerks film in thirty years now, I guess. Wow, which is crazy. So, um, gosh, what can I say about this film? It's not bad. It's not bad. The uh, the humor that they go for is actually usually pretty funny. Um, the, the real problem with the movie is it has a lot of dramatic parts and, um, it's kind of impossible to really talk about them without spoiling them. But, uh, the guy who plays Dante or Dante in the movie, uh, goes through a bunch of dramatic stuff and there's a lot of like attempts at like a uh, weepy piano music scenes and shit like that. And I mean, I, it mildly pays off at the very end of the movie, uh, no spoilers, but, Like the amount of time they spend on it is just like, eh. like right in the middle of the movie, there's this, um, there's this part where he like goes and visits someone's grave and like talks to their ghost for five minutes, and then directly after that, they have this thing where they're they're casting for a movie, and it's just like chock full with every single celebrity cameo they can possibly muster. So it's just them padding out the uh, the credits with a bunch of celebrity names of people who aren't actually really in the movie but are like friends of Kevin Smith and will show up for like five to 20 seconds. So, um, like that part of the movie, which is like directly in the center of the movie is like this huge dip in energy. And like, I just got fucking bored for like five or 10 minutes and I'm like,
1: uh, fuck this.
0: But then the movie pretty much picks back up. Um, and overall it's not, it's not bad. I mean, it's not great. um, But if you are a fan of Kevin Smith properties and did like the first two clerks, it is pretty much a continuation of that. Um, It's good conversational comedy and pretty good character comedy. Uh, Other than that, you know, as a film, it's not spectacular because, you know, Kevin Smith is not a spectacular filmmaker in uh, any way, but it is completely competent. And uh, for what it was going for, I think it actually mostly hit the nail on the head, except for the dramatic parts, which were not. Great, you know, but they're fine. Yeah, so uh, I'd recommend-ish. I'm not putting this in the recommendation section because I've got another movie, uh, another thing that I recommend way more than that, but this wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad, and that's a fact. Speaking of facts, you know what I think I might, might just be time for? I think it might be time for a bucket fact.
2: Bucket Facts. Bucket Facts. Bucket Facts. Bucket Facts. Bucket Facts. Bucket Facts.
0: Bucket Facts. Bucket Facts. Bucket Facts. facts. Oh boy. Bucket Facts. Today we're going to talk about a real wild one-off collaboration that Buckethead did back in the 90s. A collaboration with anarchist author Hakim Bey. That's right. Buckethead getting political, my friends. Hacking Bay was an author and former roommate of William S. Burroughs, who lived in New York in the 1970s and 80s, and was heavily involved in their anarchist zine culture. In 1991, Bay published the influential book TAZ, Temporary Autonomous Zone. The book describes the political tactic of creating temporary spaces that elude formal structures of control and hierarchy an idea that was eventually put into practice heavily in the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, also known as the Capitol Hill Occupied Protest during June of 2020, uh, a couple of years ago, right here in Seattle. And um, during that time, I actually worked at the co-op like three blocks away. So I was at the Chaz slash almost every single day uh, while it was around. And so I've have got a I've got a lot of interesting stories about that, I guess, but maybe we'll save that for another time or something. So now Bill Laswell, Uh, Who produced the album and is like kind of the main creative force behind it, besides uh, Hakeem Bey? uh, Bill Aswell has been involved in highly political projects before, Uh, probably most notably with uh, Africa Mababa. But honestly, this kind of takes it to a whole new level. The album is comprised of six tracks, all of which are different readings from the book, performed by Hakeem Bey himself. Beneath the Spoken Word is a wild combination of musical and ambient experimentations, and I can say that this album is truly a very, very unique work of Bill Laswell's, and maybe one of the most complete-sounding in terms of running the gamut of like every kind of genre that he can do. Uh, The album is a wild, kind of incredible mix of genres, spanning from uh, roots bluegrass to like Crushing Power Electronics to Prog Metal and Indian ragas at some point, too. Uh, if I could recommend one, just one track from the album, I'd actually pretty much recommend the whole album, but uh, if I could recommend one single track, it would probably be track four, Immediatism, which isn't... I wouldn't say it's, like, highly political. However, it's an ambitious south southeastern uh, Asia-flavored, tabla-driven kind of song. It's a really... Interesting treatise on the immediate impact of art and music and the alienation of art and music if it fails to make that impact um, It's something I've actually never really thought about which is weird um, And really just a meditation on art using the jargon of Marxism and anarchism that I'm actually rather Actually rather comfortable with and so it's a it's a weird mix of stuff, but I thought it was really cool, and I liked listening to it a lot. I'm, I might actually revisit it. Um, it is a weird album, though, but if you're a leftist like me, and a weird musical leftist like me, which, I mean, if you're listening to this still, they're pretty good things you are, this is totally worth your time, uh, for both p- political and musical content. I wouldn't say it's uniquely Buckethead in any fashion, and more so than anything, it is very uniquely Bill Laswell. Um, and in effect, uh, both uh, Buckethead and Laswell's other main guitarist, uh, Nikki Scopolitis also plays on the album. And so this isn't just like a primarily Buckethead album at all. It's, it's definitely much more so a Laswell album, but in as much it is unique and cool and has a really cool message to it. Um, I looked more into, um, Hakeem Bay and unfortunately some of his writings have, uh, like kind of supported or apologized for pederasty, which is like fucking little boys and stuff. So that really fucking sucks. But uh, you know, none of that in this album, thank God. So I would recommend it. Check
2: it out. Facts. I listen to three more pikes this week.
0: Hey, I listened to three more pikes this week. Pike 321, Warm Your Ancestors, Pike 322, Dr. Lorca's work. And Pike 323, Thank You Taylor. Let's uh let's dive right in. So, Warm Your Ancestors, Pike 321, released on July 9th, 2022, just two days after the previous pike, Dreams Remembered, Volume 2. Uh, this one clocks in at almost exactly 28 minutes and it's uh, separated into two tracks. Uh, track one, Warm Your Ancestors, which is a little over 11 minutes long. And then the rest of the album is the track, The Crystal Mountain. So, um, let's dive right into this bad boy. So, uh, track one, Warm Your Ancestors. Uh, this song slaps. I really like this song. Um, it's very catchy, uh, very catchy, very memorable. Uh, well, not being too proggy or too complicated. Um, and to me, this is really uh, Buckethead in one of his very best forms, um, which is like highly melodic, uh, lots of different stuff going on, but still definitely a through line. It's not like super frenetic, super manic, but there is a lot of different things going on. Um, there's no real solos to speak of in the song, but it's very, very melodic. Uh, it's got a lot of great riffs and some little leads, uh, actually some really cool little leads. And uh, both the drums and bass are entirely on point for this entire album. The, the bass is mostly just in the pocket, doing a lot of doubling stuff, a lot of root stuff. But it sounds really good. And I think it's, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's still being programmed. But, you know, you could surprise me and tell me it's a real bassist. I believe you. I don't know. Um, at around uh, 8 minutes and 45 seconds on the song, he does this little riff where it's just like jamming a, cor- a chord like da 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 da, and then like a insanely fast ten run note, so it's like da 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 and he just does that a few times, and it's obvious he's like playing it, you know, live and not just like copy pasting it, and it is just insanely impressive. It's one of those times where like Buckethead just pulls out just a little trick and makes you go, holy fucking shit, that dude can fucking shred. Uh, it's really really fucking cool. Um, it's just like one of those little flourishes where Buckethead lets you know ex- that he knows exactly how good he is. Uh, he then does some like killer tapping stuff over a really cool like drum and keyboard break thing, and the keyboards on this sound really great. Like the keyboards on this whole album sound really good. And you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where I think in the last couple years Buckethead has been, you know, experimenting with keyboard a lot to see how well it can fit into his mixes and stuff. Because a lot of the earlier pikes we just don't have any keyboard at all. You know, it's guitar, drums, bass, uh, and, you know, maybe a pad here or there, but, like, he's actually doing interesting things with a keyboard on this one. So that's pretty neat. Um, it, The uh, the part where he's doing the tapping with the drums and keyboards behind it, like, sounds so huge. To me, it honestly sounded like uh, almost a solo section in a Manowar song or something. And if you know me, you know I love Manowar in a really dumb, kind of uh, sarcastic way, ironic way, but, you know, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty great. Um, this is definitely one of the best single songs in my opinion. The Buckethead is made in, I don't know, years? Maybe since 2019 or something? It is just classic, good, solid Buckethead doing all of the things that he does best. Um, Except for, you know, big shred solos, which is fine with me, actually, because I don't usually love the huge shred solos. You know, I like it when he shreds, but I don't like those, you know, like copy paste uh, backing tracks with like eight minutes of fucking just tread. That's whatever. That's for somebody. Not for me, you know, not exactly for me. Uh, great song though. Um, honestly, maybe actually, no, not my song of the week. Oddly enough, it's my second favorite song of the week, but it is still so good. Loved it. Next song, the crystal mountain makes me wonder if this is based on in any way, uh crystal mountain by death uh, from Symbolic, their uh, penultimate album. Um, really, honestly, one of the best death metal albums ever made. I do maybe prefer the instrumentation on um, fucking uh, Sound of Perseverance. However, when it comes to the songwriting, I don't think there is any better death metal songwriting than Death's Symbolic. I would so highly recommend you check that shit out. It fucking rocks. Um, but yeah, so the crystal mountain, uh, starts out clean before going into like this big effects riff that I think actually just might be bass with tons of effects, but it slaps right back into guitar after that. So it might not be, might be some whammy pedal usage on the baritone.
2: I'm not hundred percent sure.
0: Um, so this, this is a pretty cool song with a pretty solid direction. Although it's like, you know, 17 minutes long, which is a little, a little long for any song in my opinion. Um, it's something between maybe like arena rock and his big distorted like wah wah monster sounds. You know, it's uh, it's pretty cool though. It's it's very uniquely Buckethead, and something that I'm not surprised that he made, but also like a good companion to track one, "Warm Your Ancestors." So, uh, just about eight minutes in, he does a crazy little run a few times. That's um, that's absolutely nothing, uh. I'm sorry. He does a crazy little run like it's absolutely nothing before going into like this really soundtracky passage and he kind of cleans it out and it ends like in a big, I don't know. It definitely feels like it has a big resolution to it, which I really like because sometimes Buckethead will just like maybe do a fade out or just like have a very non-resolute ending to his albums. Um, So yeah, so that was really good. Uh, Really liked that one. Overall, I'd say this is a good Pike and I would recommend it to most folks. Uh, so warm your ancestors. If I could warm any one of my ancestors in order to eat them, who would it be? Hmm. Let me think here. I would probably go back. I imagine like um, the, you know, in the old country, my, my grandpa's ancestors, they had Slavic farmhands and, you know, so they were probably, you know, just like, and some of them were huge too, you know, some of them, some of the people in my family going back like 100, 200 years are like my height, like 6'4", which is back then absolutely unheard of. So, um, I you know, if I had to eat one of my ancestors, it would probably be one of my grandfather's ancestors. Probably, you know, maybe his father's father, someone, a big Slavic farmhand. I imagine they have nice, you know, fatty, but like meat, you know, lots of muscle, but lots of fat in there as well. Uh, although i don't know i don't i at the same time i don't want to like have to take a, an adidas tracksuit off of meat before i eat it so maybe maybe not those slavics there eh. all right moving on we've got pike 322 dr Lorca's work released on july twenty eighth, 2022 19 days after warm your ancestors so Dr. Lorca's work uh, kind of makes me wonder, because this is several years after um, uh, Star Trek Discovery came out. There is a Captain Lorca in there. And, uh, you know, I'm not familiar with any Dr. Lorcas. Let me see if I can find one real quick. Dr. Lorca. Dr. Lorca, Monsters and Slashers. Okay, so... Uh, oh, oh, okay. So Dr. Lorca is the Mad Doctor of Blood Island from uh, the 1978 film. However, he's also a character in Hideous uh, from 1997, which, if I'm not mistaken, is a full moon picture? Uh, I'm going to guess he took it from that, but you know what, he's into classic horror too, so I think it could really go either way. Uh, I could see him being a big fan of Hideous and also of Mad Doctor of Blood Island. Uh, so that's really cool. I like that. So anyway, so going into Dr. Lorca's work. Uh, this this is just one song, which is like almost 28 minutes long. And it starts out with an absolutely insane guitar run that turns into like this loud distorted jam, uh, before going into like this crazy, almost panic chord, maybe, um, almost, um, I'd almost compare it to like death chord, but not really a panic chord type thing. And then to a funk thing with this really sick bass line. And it's just the bass line. Um, So I don't know really, like listening through this album, if I'd exactly say it's quite like the Mescatonic Scale or Jeopardy Backwards, Roller Coaster Track Repair, any of those incredibly manic, frenetic pikes. But it is kind of like that. Uh, It is all over the place but it feels just a little better meshed together than those albums, and it feels a little more intentional. feels more like he had maybe a plan behind this, you know, Uh, which is really great. It it feels like one of those albums, but like with an absolute direction to it uh, in like themes that return. So um, about five minutes in to this song slash album, he goes into this really weird solo ambient effects guitar thing, before moving into what I'd consider a doom metal passage uh, with like, it's like, uh, and it's not, it doesn't sound exactly like doom metal, but it has all the elements of doom metal. It has like the slow drums and slow bass and then like dueling guitars, doing a harmony, but really slow. I think the only thing that didn't make it sound totally doom metal is like not all the harmonies were in flat fifths and flat thirds which is pretty much all they do in doom metal, you know? So, but it was really cool. Um, But but right after that, uh, after the slow doomy harmonies, he goes straight into some like prog metal shit, and it's really pretty neat, actually. Uh, So after that, at around six minutes and 45 seconds, he starts doing some shredding, and holy fucking shit, is it like inhumanly fast? It's, um, you know, sometimes Buckethead will just do some shit, and you will be like, can, did he actually... Did he actually just play that shit? Because it is like mind-bending what he can do at some points. It uh, kind of continues on in a similar way for a while. Uh, then at about uh, 13 minutes, uh, actually at exactly 13 minutes and 11 seconds, he does this thing where he does bass and guitar slides together, and it sounds really fucking cool, and it's like nothing he's ever done before on any of the other pikes, on any of his other solo material at all, um, to my knowledge. And it's like just a really cool thing. And it makes me wonder like how often does Buckethead just like find something he hasn't done before. Cause like, you know, a guitarist like Buckethead, he's seemingly done it. Absolutely. All, you know, um, you know, if you make fucking altogether like 400 albums and you know, the vast quantity of it is instrumental chances of you hitting on pretty much every kind of instrumental theme available in the world are pretty high, you know, It's one of those things like, you know, I just, he's so prolific and he's, you know, there's some things I didn't even know he's done before that I just keep finding out. Like on the bucket, um, bucket fact today found out that he did some kind of like Indian Raga type stuff. And that's like, you know, I had no idea it was in him, but, um, there it is. So, um, after he does the the really cool slides, he uh, goes into some more cool shredding and riffing. And at about 18 minutes and 10 seconds, um, he does a really weird imposing synth thing that just kind of covers all of the music and like, I don't know, you can hear everything there, but like the synth is like in the very front of the mix, which is a really weird decision. Uh, and then he does some crazy shred uh, under it, which is all right. It's a weird decision that I don't hate, though, because it's interesting, and it's kind of unlike anything he's done, and really kind of unlike anything I've ever heard before. So I'll allow it. Um, I should mention that the bass in this bike is absolutely on, like 100% of the time. I'm still not sure if it's programmed or not, and I'm pretty sure it is, but it's mostly doubling the guitar in some way, but it sounds really good, it fits perfectly into the mix and in the songs, and it's like good pocket bass, like the entire time. Uh, I don't know if this is just Buckethead getting better at programming bass, if it's the return of Dan Monty, or if it's even live bass, but you know, whatever he's doing, I, I hope he keeps it up. Um, from here, the song is largely extended shred sections with the occasional riff in between. Um, the song kind of falls apart a bit compared to the first half, and I think the first half was a lot more intentional, but honestly, it still sounds intentional and it's pretty cool. Um. Song ends with another big doomy riff that he's used a couple times in the song. And honestly, by the very end of the song, it feels very complete. And uh, this whole album, it just one song, feels like a very complete artistic message and a very like complete artistic vision, which I think is really cool. Uh, overall, this is a killer pike and really some of the best stuff buckethead has ever had to offer. Um, some of his most unique stuff he's had to offer and like, Some of the newest, most unique stuff I've heard from him in probably years. Like, these last two pikes are an interesting like, return to form, but at the same time I find him a lot more experimental on uh, Dr. Lorca's work and Warm Your Ancestors than he has been in a long time. And he's, like, ticking all of my boxes here. You know, he's not doing crazy long stupid solos with a lot of, like, copy paste backing tracks. He's, like, actually exploring things and exploring new things you know uh, there were several things on both of these pikes that I just like i had been like well that's new for Buckethead which is you know after 400 albums you don't really hear a lot of new shit but here we are uh, overall this is a killer pike. I loved it uh, it's really some of the best stuff Buckethead has to offer and has had to offer for the past several years really um some of the most unique stuff he's ever had to offer. And really the kind of music maybe only Buckethead can make. Or if someone else can make it, they aren't. Like the kind of music only Buckethead does make. I was really impressed with this album, not going to lie. And this is my favorite album of the week, favorite song of the week. Um, I mean, favorite album and song of maybe the month. It's It's been a while since I've heard anything that was quite this focused. You know, I always do love, he's done several of the mescatonic scale, roller, roller coaster track repair kind of frenetic stuff, which is like maybe my second favorite type of bucket head. But my very favorite type of bucket head is when he does something crazy and manic with a lot of shifting, but also at the same time, it seems like a symphony, you know, he's returning to parts. He, he finds cool musical passages that he, he uses his motifs and plays them in different ways. And I just love that, you know? That's him showing off his skills, not just as a player, but really as a composer. And, you know, the player albums where Buckethead just does a bunch of shred and shit, those are cool. But I really look forward to Buckethead for the compositions he comes up with, you know? Because there's a lot of great guitarists out there, and there are guitarists that are technically maybe more skilled than Buckethead, but there are very few, if any, people out there that are as good as him technically, and can also make the type of compelling, interesting music he can make. And this is one of those albums that is technically amazing and compelling. And I would recommend this one over all other albums this week.
1: Moving
0: on! Pike 323 Thank you, Taylor. Now, if you don't know um, the backstory behind this, we talked about it as a bucket fact several months ago. Um, So, as you may know, Buckethead earlier this year, I think in May, had uh, like 10 or maybe a dozen or maybe more of his guitars stolen out of a storage unit in uh, Arizona. And uh, a couple of them showed up for sale online and a couple of them just have never rematerialized since. Uh, However... One of them was found at like a, um, a swap meet or like a flea market or something like that in Arizona. And this guy named Taylor went ahead and bought it. And I want to say he bought it for a lot of money. It was like three or four thousand dollars. And, um, you know, sight unseen, just sent it to Buckethead, you know, uh, just asked for his address and sent it to him, didn't charge him or anything. And Buckethead, like obviously overjoyed. This is like a guitar he's been playing with for years and years. One of his favorite guitars. In his words, one of the most important guitars. Um, And so, uh, in response, Buckethead just did a fucking solid and wrote Taylor an entire album. So, Pike 223. Thank you, Taylor. Released on August 16th, 2022. This one clocks in at about 29 minutes uh, and has seven tracks named track one T to track seven T. So uh, this starts off on a really beautiful melodic track. Uh, Lots of amazing melodies, little guitar tricks, tiny flourishes, little runs, and actually great uh, bass and drum programming dominate this track. And I'm almost positive that the bass is, is programmed on this guy. It also has some killer keyboards providing some awesome atmospheres. Um, And this, this song just continues into the next song. And basically all these songs are continuous and it does sound like kind of one big song, especially since there's two or three musical motifs, especially the first riff that Buckethead definitely reuses and reuses as like movements and motifs and like, it, it's a really cool like beautiful like that's the main riff to this entire thing and he plays it maybe 4 or 5 maybe 6 times in the entire thing but he keeps returning to it and it is a great musical motif that like kind of snaps you back makes you realize exactly what you're listening to and more than anything makes you realize that what buckethead is doing here is entirely intentional um and you know making a there's a lot to be said for the pikes that buckethead has made for people you know um and there's there's not many of them you know there's pike 13 which is for his dad uh, hold me forever which is for his mom there's thank you taylor um you know there's there's a couple that are kind of up in the air if they were actually made for people like was it thank you sloshenders or whatever which is about the movie poster store, but it could be about the guy who owned it. We're not quite sure. But anyway, the the stuff that Buckethead makes for people is incredibly few, incredibly far between, and only for, you know, folks that he feels some deep, deep affinity for, you know? Buckethead is a very emotional person, it seems, and a, a very sentimental person. And in as much, like, if he makes an album for you while you're alive, holy fucking shit, you've done something. It's really crazy. Uh, This continues on, on track two, kind of just like the previous track, but it starts in a clean part. uh, And then he brings in a couple riffs and musical motifs from the the previous song here. It kind of keeps going. Um as I said, it's like a symphony, different movements, um, different motifs. It's really cool. Uh, it feels very intentional. It feels very heartfelt. Um, and it just feels like, honestly, just a really great, heartfelt thank you to Taylor. Uh, and you know what, as, as a bucket bot, thank you, Taylor, for me. Like, that's some fucking cool shit. Like, what you did was some heroic, fucking cool shit, and, I'm sure not just me, but all bucket bots really appreciate, that and the sentiment and what you did. Like that is that's fucking rad guy. Um let's see. After that we got track three, uh three T, um, which is uh pretty fucking cool. Um about in the middle of this song at 1040, he has one of the coolest, most precise shreds I've ever heard in a song. It is just like I heard it and I was like, what the fuck did he just do? And it just blew my dick right on my asshole, you know? It's fucking cool as hell. Love that shit. Um Yeah. Uh, From there, you know, the other tracks are cool because they are musical reprisals, you know, and he does a lot of stuff here to make all of the tracks fit in with each other. And in as much like you can find little musical motifs from tracks one through seven on tracks one through seven, like he makes a through line through everything. And honestly, this is one of the most intentional sounding pikes I've heard him do in quite a long time. But then again, all three of the ones he released uh, that we're reviewing this week were great. Like, Warm Your Ancestors, Dr. Lorca's Work, and Thank You, Taylor, were all, in my opinion, triumphs as pikes, and honestly, this has got to be the best week for pikes I've had in maybe a year. This is just so good. I loved all these pikes, so uh, thank you, Taylor, and thank you, Buckethead. Uh, For the the great everything, you know? It was was cool as hell. Um, Yeah, so, uh, the people I'd like to thank are Taylor and Buckethead. And you know what? Myself, for making this podcast happen. And you know what? I think that's the Pikes for the week. And with that, I think it might be time to take a journey. Would you all like to come with me? We're going to take a journey into the, bucket void. From the bucket, void. bucket void oh my God oh my God here we are we are in the bucket void. Uh, this is the part of the show where I scroll through YouTube. And, uh, you know, talk about the pikes that we listened to this week. So, let's go ahead and start out with the first pike we listened to. Pike 321, Warm Your Ancestors. So, let's go ahead and start with a comment from Damien Boyer. Two months ago, he says, um, Nice
2: riffs from Buckethead, Natter. Just needs some lyrics, chorus, and a melody. Especially on Warm Your Ancestors. The Crystal Mountain is a standalone instrumental and very good. Cheers from Demo. Um, well, first
0: off, Natter? No, this is not NatterNet. This is not NatterNet. NatterNet is an entirely different thing. This is Buckethead Archive. Um, NatterNet, I mean, does put up Buckethead's music sometime, but it's more other Buckethead content. Uh, this is Buckethead Archive. Buckethead Archive pretty much just puts up Buckethead music, and they do a really great job at it. So thank you, Buckethead Archive. Next, we have a comment from G. Smith. Says three months ago, I would like to see Buckethead do a tribute album for Chris Olivia of Sabotage. Um, and then SG 1971 says,
2: Chris was a freaking beast. So many epic riffs and solos follow me. Ghosts in the ruins are absolutely mind blowing.
0: And then SRT Viper 51 says, There was a guitarist named Pete Rossi who made an instrumental cover of Summer's Rain. It's really good. Would recommend listening to it. I've never really listened to sabotage of you. I think there's thrash. I don't really care. Uh, all right, next we got a friend of the show. Jason Evans says two months ago edited, God, you edit all your comments, Jason. What are you hiding from us? He says first track sounds like victory and feels like the masterful rhythmic battle with sword. Saint Ishin at the end. At the end of Sekiro. I don't even know what Sekiro is. Sekiro. Is that a movie? Sekiro, that is a game. Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice, a video game from FromSoft. Oh, okay. So it's like one of those um, uh, you know, fucking Ghost of whatever, uh, Elder Scrolls, whatever. One of those albums. That that makes sense. I mean, a lot of stuff Buckethead does is very, you know, soundtracky. All right, moving on. We got Florence Lefour says three months ago. Florence Lefour, definitely a, a Frenchman.
1: Says uh. Oh, so huge, so pizzicato, so full in energy. As I say, when you get in, you can't get out of Buckethead's world. A strangle on earth, always opening your drilty. An awesome path, a grateful album. Your music is public benefit because in brain, a lot of oxygen bubbles colored by your notes drive us into happiness energies. Keep on twisting our mind, our mentality. I love him. Um... Brings up a question: Should French people be allowed
0: on the internet? I say no. You know, weigh in, weigh in in the comments. Uh, next, we got a comment from Kevin Felton says three months ago: Watch out, Buckethead is one of the best bands out there today. He covers it all. Uh, it's not really a band. I mean, I mean, whatever, whatever, man, whatever. He's he's good. All right, next we got a great comment from Clean Goblin. It says,
2: three months ago, uh, Slightly drunk and thinking about life. For so long, I've put behind the possibility that I'll ever have a partner, and I've grown so cynical at 30.
0: The lack of words let to be interpreted by you to fill in. Just like our feelings, which I antagonized within as a feeling of corniness. I guess there's no escaping that we are not actual bots. We are fueled by emotion. Just imagining the sweet things I can offer to my will-be one. Guess God had too much faith in me with these challenges, but equipped me as well with what's needed. Fuck you, God, you brilliant bastard, saving me or anyone from myself. I'm very close to a breakthrough to define my complicated mind. The music just accentuates the rage and aggression and the softness I'm starting to feel all over again. Buckethead, you're not only easy to the ears, but you stroke some feelings I've buried a long time ago. All right, guy, someone needs fucking therapy. You need to go to fucking therapy, Clean Goblin. This is stuff, this is not stuff you need to be putting on a public forum. This is stuff you need to be paying someone to listen to and give their thoughts on. Because man, you have got some fucked up shit going on. All right, moving on. We got
2: Mastar85 says three months ago. I get the comic book reference with the art design in the upper left of these pictures, but does anyone know why he specifically put 13 cents on it? Just curious. Three replies. Um
0: I mean the only one that matters is he was born on Friday the 13th. It's his favorite number. That's
1: all you need. Easy enough.
0: All right. um, Next, we got Stories from Earth, says three months ago.
2: Guitar players, what's up with the tuning on this one? It's not Eerie Flat. In fact, it's some sour in-between tuning. Help!
0: And Alejandro Gutierrez says he is tuning in D-standard on this one. Interesting. That's not interesting. He almost always plays in D-standard or like drop D it's really I don't how would no that's not interesting this is like very very regular for Buckethead very regular alright do we have any more for this one um so alright one more Bassin and Billiards says three months ago my two favorite thing uh fishing and pool he says uh 750. Sounds so familiar in a recent pike, I feel. It's more defined in another album, but it's the same. I can tell. Um, Which, I mean, he uses a lot of musical motifs. And also, like, 400, you know, over 300 pikes. You're gonna tread over some of the same ground at some point. Come on, guy. Alright, maybe one more. We're gonna close out on this one. Uh, Tigbert Jones says three months ago, Bless you, mysterious bard,
2: bequeathed with bucket. Your legend shreds so hard.
0: I'm pretty sure bards have to sing, right? Um, I mean, it's a musician in general, but like uh, a bard is like a storyteller, a verse maker, a music composer. Like it's someone who basically has to talk. So I don't know if I'm calling him a bard. In fact, I wouldn't call him a bard. I'd call him not a bard. All right, so that is going to be all the comments we got on our first Pike, Pike 321, Warm Your Ancestors. Let's move on to comments on Pike 322, Dr. Lorca's work. Unfortunately, this one has very few comments, but let's get into them. All right, so Stephen Nicholas says two months ago,
2: support his work on Bandcamp. We can't replace what's been stolen, but we can help him make a difference.
0: Uh, speaking about his his guitar,
2: which is, yeah. yeah it's perfect. Uh,
0: so, uh, Brian Hefner says, two months ago, edited, if this was called Buckethead Land 3 and had more than two guitar tracks, it would have 200,000 views. Which is actually pretty correct. Like, I'm surprised he hasn't just, like, self-released a Buckethead Land 3 at any point. Like, he definitely has enough material, you know? And all he'd have to do is, like, get a bassist and drummer and he doesn't even have to do that but like it'd be easy um friend of the show Jason Evans back saying two months ago Big B single-handedly combating the effectiveness of Vance one pike at a time what is v- 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 Vance V-Y-V-A-N-C V-Y-V-A-N-C uh what's this Vance um Oh, it's, oh, it's some, something that's supposed to treat ADHD and binge eating disorder. So, this, uh, okay, makes you ADHD. That actually makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Jason Evans. Funny joke that I didn't get until now. So, ooh, we got the Frenchman. He's come back. Florence
1: Lefeu says two months ago, oh, ho, ho, Tremendous free way of life. Thanks to your bucket head.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, next, we got Jeff Underwood says two months ago, um, pretty new to him, but dang, that going boy can play. And then uh, Nanu P Brain says two months ago, Jelly, I don't know. Are you really that envious of just learning about Buckethead? Like, it's something I, I wouldn't be envious of because I'd be like how have I not heard of that guy like I've been a musician for a long time and this guy is like definitely a musician's musician I mean I probably should have heard of this especially since he was in like Guns and Roses and shit that's weird All right, and then we're going to close out this one on a very full house Uncle Jesse comment here Dr. 420 Meister says everybody have mercy. And that's all the comments we got this week for Pike 322. Dr. Lorca's work. Let's move on. Uh, we are going to move on to Pike 323. Thank you, Taylor. In uh, this one, thankfully, has quite a few comments. And uh, we will start out. You know what? Let's get it out of the way. First, this is a top-rated comment on here from our friend Jason Evans. He says... Wow, with a ton of co- uh, upvotes here, 215 of them, probably the most likes I've seen on any comment on a at anything. So he says, Proof the bond between Buckethead and his fan base is unlike any other. A fan from childhood, hunting down and returning a stolen guitar to his idol as an adult, then being shown immense gratitude by having an entire pike dedicated to him, permanently cemented in the greatest of all times catalog. A storybook ending, we rarely see this day and age heart emoji. I totally agree that rules. Um, then Anus says two months ago, very dumb comment. I've been a
2: fan since childhood and offered him a very nice guitar for free and he didn't even return my email. LOL.
0: Yeah. Cause he was asking for people to help him find his guitars. Not, not that. So uh, I'm going to only Gark says in response to that, something I agree with, he probably gets tons of emails and may not even seen it, or maybe he did see it. Didn't want to have a free guitar from a fan that he m- might have felt would use it more. Just to guess who knows. Um, and yeah, he's got a... Especially when he lost his guitars, he had to have gotten so many people like trying to donate shit to him. And he doesn't want just like random guitars. Like He wants his guitar. Uh,
2: the Soul Reaper 07 chimes in and says dedicating an entire pike to a fan is a really big deal shows how much he appreciates the gesture of Taylor returning his guitar to him very much so it was very very good all right
1: so next i uh, guess who's back we've got the Frenchman Florence Lafour says two months ago you are really an angel on earth Bucky here dedicate one entire album to your fan who turned back one of your guitars is a true tremendous gift thanks to you Taylor, by your living gesture and bucketed by Bewitch Sounds. Okay. So, um, Hollis
0: Williams, uh, says in response to this bike, he says, Imagine getting an entire album devoted to you. You can, you can tell he had a real burst of emotion when he got the guitar back and wanted to write something really good. I totally agreed. It's, it's quite a good pike, and it's, uh, you know, it shows his his appreciation, and we love when people show his appreciation, their appreciation, I guess. All right. next we have, um, Roberval Brasileiro, he says, I was waiting for something like this to happen, a new pike like this one, amazing, extraordinary, big master forever, the best of the best of all the best. Um... All right, and uh, let's let's just do two more here. All right, so he says, one day ago, this one was dropped literally a day ago, he says, I discovered Buckethead late teens and fell in love. Stopped listening to him for years and got into other genres. Rediscovered him a few months ago and keep wondering why I even stopped. Buckethead for life. Well, welcome back. Thanks for listening to Buckethead again, I guess. Alright, I guess uh, we will close out on this one. Um, Bong Donkey, which is the greatest name of all time, Bong Donkey (laughs) says, one month ago, this
2: song album is an interesting concept. It's a long piece where each part is similar to a song of its own. I have always been a Buckethead supporter. I found him through the band Praxis in late 90s. Bill Laswell, Brain, and Bootsy are, are great as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And, uh, yeah, I guess that is going to do it for Statements from the Bucket Void.
2: Statements from the Bucket Void.
0: Bucket Void. Hey, looks like we are to that part of the show where... I recommend something to you. Now, I, walk, I watched uh, Clerks 3 this week, thought that was all right, but I didn't put it in the recommend uh, recommendation section because there's something I recommend much, 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 much more. And that is going to be David Gordon Green's Halloween Ends, the third in his Halloween trilogy. Now, if you've been listening to the show for some time, you will know that I watched uh, Halloween Kills, the second film in the trilogy, last year and I didn't like it. I thought it fucking sucked. It was aimless, didn't really make a whole lot of sense. It was just like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was in the hospital for like the entire movie. Like the movie in itself felt like it, like almost lacked agency and in as much direction. But uh, Halloween Ends knew exactly what it was doing, and it did it incredibly well. Um, it's going to be kind of hard to talk about it without spoiling it but uh, what we know is um, Michael Myers is still alive and in hiding and the movie pretty much centers around uh, this young guy named Corey who is accused of killing a child and then like how he kind of deals with that and how like the society around him deals with him and then like how he kind of looks for solace in the character of Michael Myers. Now, it's complicated, uh, and there's a lot going on in the movie, but, and really, it's not, um, you know, one thing I really liked about the first Halloween uh, David Gordon Green did is it was a perfect mix of, uh, you know, like, not just really good horror and good writing, but comedy. And the comedy was definitely missing from Halloween kills. And you know what? It's actually kind of missing from this film as well. Halloween Ends isn't a terribly funny movie like Dave and Gordon Green's First Halloween. However, it is just straight up good horror. Like it knows exactly what it's doing. It plays with different conventions. It's um it does something with Michael Myers that I don't think anything in the Halloween series has ever done before. And in as much I'm actually going to go ahead and say it might be the... the third, fourth best Halloween film of all time. Like, obviously, the first Halloween, probably the best. Halloween, the first David Gordon Green one, I'm not sure if I like this one or that better. Like, David Gordon Green's second one, Halloween Kills, sucks. But the first and third are fucking great horror movies and just a real fucking fun time in general. So... If you're a fan of the horror genre, if you're a fan of the first David Gordon Green movie, and, you know, even if you're a fan of the second one as well, definitely watch Halloween Ends, because it is a fucking great horror movie, and it's just a fun film in general. Like, uh, and you know what? Big ups to David Gordon Green for bringing it back around and, you know, rectifying what I thought was actually going to be a stinker of a trilogy after the last film. So, yeah, that's my recommendation for the week. And with that, I think it's time... I get into some bucket jokes.
2: Ha ha ha. Bucket joke. Ha ha ha. Bucket joke. Ha ha ha.
0: Bucket joke. Oh boy, it's time for that part of the show where I write new jokes every single week and tell you those jokes. So here we go. Here's my jokes. My friend went into the hospital to have a baby, and I brought her a bunch of bananas. She asked why I brought bananas. I told her they're going to be the fruits of her labor. As a top, it's pretty rare I'll be in a place where I'm allowed to get the bottomless soft drink. An extremely fat man kept on driving up all the prices at an auction. He was morbidly obese. It was announced this week that 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton is actually about the size of cocks she's into. My girlfriend is infertile and also a terrible breakfast cook. She really can't make eggs. My employee is getting top surgery and just put in for their medical time off for it. So I guess they gave their two-week (coughs) no-tits. Porn gave me unrealistic expectations of being able to have a threesome with my stepmom and her teenage friend after they get stuck in the dryer. (coughs) My buddy works in a grocery store and recently transferred from seafood to produce. I asked him why, and he says he likes to see the fruits of his labor. That's right, I'm giving you two fruits of labor jokes today. Go fuck yourself. I sent out thank you notes to all the attendees of my orgy. They just said, thanks for coming. Alright, close out my jokes on this one. I told my academic counselor I was interested in becoming a child psychologist. But he said, I'm too old. fine. Don't like those? Fuck you. Well, in that case, we're going to tell even worse jokes. So, every week uh, after I write my own jokes, I go ahead and scour the internet for the worst and most unliked jokes out there. So, here are some more jokes. These are not my jokes, and they all suck. Here we go. If you're going to take a dump, at least wear some gloves. So tissues are notoriously wadded up. I don't believe in the Bible. It's kind of gee, sus Money interests me. A lot. Life and Reddit are basically the same. At the end, it's all about karma. My door dasher's name was Nelson. But it's weird, because it's me who's about to be full. Oh god, I think that one sucks so much it's funny. I'm not even, no, 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 it just sucks. I felt like shit, so I ran to the bathroom and ate my fill. Ugh. Friend and fried meant the same thing to Jeffrey Dahmer. My online friends have started using tone indicators, which are a great idea that I'm sure everyone will start using in no time. Man, those jokes sucked. All right, so after the bad jokes, I go ahead and, uh, you know, every week I'm going through these bad jokes, I make a list of the best bad jokes I've read so far. Jokes that are bad, but I think they're funny. So let's get right into it. Here's my hall of shame. So, I knew a whore in Philly with a glass eye. She would pop it out and wink a guy's off for a dollar. If a vampire could ejaculate, I'd call him Draculator the Ejaculator. The Twin Towers didn't really stand the test of time. A criminal can never swim because he's Sin King. Sin King, the King of sin. sin. Sin, Sin, Two women walked out of a library. They cleaned it so well! Kurt Cobain received Mind-Blowing Head on April 5th, 1994. And finally, a man walks into a stable, and the horse says, Why the small cork? Ha, 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 ha. Bucket bucket oh boy. I think that's the fucking show. So where can you find me on the internet to contact me? If you want, you can find me at a bucket cast pretty much anywhere, but you know where I'd rather you go. I'd rather you go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash dumb uh, There we have the episodes. Uh, just as soon as I publish them, they come out and so you don't have to wait. Uh, till Sunday at midnight. Uh, And also uh, our other show, uh, my other show, Soy Trek. Uh, We do two episodes a week. I release both of those at the same time. And best thing about all of this is everything is in much higher quality than our other uh, hosting website will allow. And so you just get much, uh, you get to hear my voice nice and clearer. So, uh, with that, uh, I'd like to thank all of our $5 and above uh, Patreon supporters. We've got Dan Morrison, Dylan Lance, Ian Killia, Devin Saturnus, and Jordan Hale. Thank you so much to those folks, and thank you to all of our Patreon supporters, $2 and up. And just a reminder, for $2 or more, uh, you can go to our Patreon, sign up, and get all of those wonderful things, plus a ton of bonus content uh, that we record in the past. So... Thanks for that. And uh, with that, my name has been Britain Ryan Straw. You've been listening to Getting Head, a bucket cast. Thanks
1: for sticking with us, bucket bots. Stay greasy. Namaste.